Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom, I am Dr. Ann Davis with Bible Interact, and today I want to talk about something I think you'll find interesting. I want to talk about wisdom literature in the Hebrew Scriptures. Now, wisdom literature is a certain type of literature. The Bible, and especially the Hebrew Scriptures, is filled with different types of literature. We refer to these as genres. Genre is a French word that simply means a certain style. That's what it means, a certain style. So there are many different genres in the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, in, the, in my last session, we talked about Hebrew poetry. That is a genre. It's a certain type of literature. The Hebrew poetry is uh, is uh, composed with rhythm, not rhyme, and the rhythm evokes emotion, and it also uses parallel lines, and the relationship between the parallel lines is going to give you a deeper meaning. It's a certain genre, Hebrew poetry. Um, another genre is, is narrative. Now, let me, exp let me back up just a minute because I wanted to, to say that there are four books in the Hebrew Bible that are completely or almost completely Hebrew poetry. Psalms, all the Psalms are written with Hebrew poetry. Proverbs, all Proverbs are written with Hebrew poetry. The Song of Solomon is all Hebrew poetry. And, and Job, now Job is all Hebrew poetry except for the very beginning, which is a narrative. So that takes me into the next genre, which is a narrative, and that's simply a story. But the Hebrew narrative is very different from our modern concept of narrative or story, because the Hebrew narrative is conveyed with artistic language. So in the narrative, there is artistry that is mysterious and that causes you to stop and think, just like that Hebrew poetry. You have to stop and you have to think. You're puzzled. Something strange, something unusual is in there. And you have to stop, and those are clues into the deeper meaning. So the Hebrew narrative is a genre, which is very different from the modern genre of narrative, because it's, it's conveyed in artistic language that leads you to a depth of meaning. Another genre is prophetic literature. These were all very common in the ancient world, although the Hebrew had slightly different um, aspects to them, like the, the narrative, the artistic nature of the narrative. Prophetic literature was all over the ancient Near East, and in prophetic literature, God speaks. He speaks through his prophets, but God speaks. And there are two aspects of prophetic language. There's, there's negative and there's positive. Now, most of Hebrew prophetic literature is negative. By negative, I mean it's talking to people now, today, and it's giving them a wake-up call that they are not walking in the ways of God. And if they don't walk in the ways of God, they're going to have to bear the consequences of worldly pain and suffering. Only if they walk in the ways of God are they going to be blessed. Uh, we tend to think of prophetic literature as all prophetic of the future. But in the Hebrew scriptures, only a small part of the prophetic literature, which is God speaking, 
is, in fact, future. And when it is future, the purpose is so that we will stand now. The focus of the Hebrew scriptures is on the now, not on the future. It's on the now. It's walking in the ways of God now. You know, the Jews knew that they belonged to God. He declared that he was their father and they were his firstborn son. They knew they belonged to God. And God had given them the law so that they could walk in his ways. They could walk in righteousness and draw near to him. That's the whole purpose of the law. So so that they could draw near to him. And the the negative part of the of the prophetic language it's i mean it, it's it sounds negative but the purpose is positive because the purpose is to draw god's children to him by giving them a wake up call and saying look you're walking the ways of sin i want you to draw near to me and you're going to have to stop walking in the ways of sin so in that sense it's really quite positive now the fourth genre what have we done we've done hebrew poetry as a genre we've done um the narrative which is Hebrew narrative, is very artistic, leading you into deeper meaning. We've done prophetic literature, which is God speaking. And now I want to spend the rest of the time talking about wisdom literature. Wisdom literature is a specific genre in the Hebrew scriptures. It was characteristic throughout the literature of the ancient world, so it, it's not unique to the Hebrew scriptures, but of course the Hebrew scriptures are going to give it a certain... Um, nuance because of their one God. So um, what we have here, and I took this out of Wikipedia, if you go to Wikipedia, wisdom literature is a genre of literature common in the ancient Near East. So it's a, there's the word genre. It's a genre of literature. It's a certain type of literature. Um, it's, 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 it's unique. There's something characteristic about wisdom literature that makes it unique, that makes it a unique genre. Now, let me explain. Okay, wisdom goes beyond knowing the law. If you know the laws, it's in your head. If you go beyond knowing the law. It leads you into wisdom. It also takes you from being a child into being mature. So maturity is connected with wisdom. So it's very important for you to understand what wisdom is. It goes far beyond simply knowing. Wisdom is an understanding of scripture that causes you to walk in God's ways. Wisdom literature is practical. It's, um, so, I mean, you know, we tend to think of it in, in the, the, the Greek way of thinking is that if you, if you go beyond knowing, oh, you're wise, it's, you transcend the world into something that's, you know, not worldly, something that's really godly. That's Greek. That's not Hebrew. The whole function of wisdom literature is to help you grow into a very special relationship with God. If you simply have knowledge that's in your head, you're going to know you're, you're going to know things about God, but you're not going to have a relationship with him. The relation comes wisdom. It comes through through going beyond knowledge to 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 well we can use the word understanding but it's more than understanding i don't you know you have to get it in the hebrew i don't know how to how to explain it in english um so there are really two aspects to to wisdom one is that you 
in a sense, you transcend the, 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 the head knowledge. You transcend it, and it takes you into a, a spiritual understanding where you are with God. Just knowing the law, you're not with God. But in wisdom, you are with God. Now, there's another aspect of wisdom literature that I think is important and I want to point out to you. And that is that once you become mature so that you you have that relationship with god uh you're going you're penetrating beyond mere knowing once you have that wisdom you can ask very provocative and deep questions who is god what is god what is the the purpose of evil god is allowing evil in the world what is the purpose of evil what is the purpose of suffering god is permitting suffering why would god permit suffering you know we all go through intense sufferings in our lives why why does god permit it why 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 so you know we can get in into these into these deeper questions if we have grown into maturity and are are penetrating the wisdom of the word of god not just the knowledge of the laws so i'm going to take you now into first kings 429 and uh god is talking about solomon and we all know that solomon god gave solomon wisdom he, he had wisdom and we read here that god gave solomon wisdom and we ask well what is wisdom? What what does that mean? What does it mean that God gave Solomon wisdom? Well, Hebrew, the artistic nature of, of Hebrew is that it puts things in parallel. There may be parallel lines. There may be also parallel phrases. Here we're getting parallel phrases. So we're getting God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and breadth of mind. But we're not going to get it in the English. We're going to have to get it. We're going to have to be curious and look up some Hebrew words. All right, so we want to know what is wisdom. What 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 did God give Solomon? He gave Solomon wisdom. What is that? Well, in parallel, my New American Standard version says a very great. It says discernment. Well, the word is has also been translated insight or understanding. So it it's going beyond knowledge to um to a, a, it's it's like being able to discern between between the black and the white the right and the wrong and it's going into the depth of it it's not just knowing it's understanding and and then it goes on a breadth of mind and that one i love because mind it's it's translated mind but it's not mind at all <laughs> it's it's lev which means heart so it's a breadth of your heart your heart is going to get metaphorically of course not physically metaphorically it's going to get wider and bigger and bigger and bigger your heart inside of you is going to be growing and growing and growing and growing as you get greater wisdom and greater wisdom and greater wisdom wisdom is connected with a heart it's the opposite of legalism it is maturity it is it is understanding it is a depth of understanding it is wisdom that is what wisdom is now, um, and then it ends here. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of heart like the sand that is on the seashore. So wisdom is, is, 
when you, you grow in it. You could be live to be a million years old and you'd never stop growing in it. And the more you grow, it, it, I mean, you could never stop growing because it's like the sand on the seashore. I mean, how many you know, grains of sand you see on the seashore? So that is what is available to you as you grow in wisdom. Now, the um, there are the books of wisdom in the Hebrew Scriptures. Um, uh, Proverbs is a, is a book of wisdom. It's written in Hebrew poetry, so it's in the poetic genre, but it's also in the genre of wisdom literature. It's it's and and the whole focus of Proverbs is it's not answering those deeper questions you know what why does god cause suffering and evil it's really instructing how to walk because only those with wisdom and with a heart that is just very large are going to be walking in a way that that is a the path into god's presence that's really what it means and so uh, the book of that's the book of Proverbs. I, mean, I hope you go to the book of Proverbs now with a different perspective than you've had before. It's not head knowledge. It's not the law. It's not instruction in how to walk in righteousness. It's wisdom. It goes far beyond that. And if you go beyond simple instruction, you're going to get into the wisdom literature of the book of Proverbs. Now, the book of Job is also wisdom literature. And that's going into those deeper questions that are trying to penetrate the the mysteries of life and and job of course is, is is trying to understand job is a righteous man he's righteous in god's eyes and yet he is suffering what why is he suffering he's righteous and yet he's suffering and why is that happening so um so job is also a, a book in of uh, wisdom literature now what i'm going to do now is i think i'm going to take you by surprise i hope i'm going to take you by surprise we're going to go to the Gospel of John, and we're going to go into the first chapter of the Gospel of John, and I'm going to show you that the first chapter of the Gospel of John is wisdom literature. If you have not recognized it as wisdom literature, you're probably in the you're drinking milk, not meat, and you may even be misunderstanding the the wisdom that is there in the in in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John. Now let me let me show you this. All right. The Gospel of John starts in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I hope you recognize the rhythm of Hebrew poetry, but it's also crafted as wisdom literature. Now let me share with you what we get in Proverbs chapter 8 verses 22-23. You remember that Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's wisdom literature. And Proverbs says, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the earth was. So in the Hebrew scriptures, the concept of God knowing you from the beginning is a common concept. Jeremiah expresses this also, that God knew him from the beginning, from the womb is the way he expressed it. <clears throat> but this concept of God knowing us from the beginning is a Hebrew concept. And so we get in the in the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He was in the beginning with God. All right. So 
And of course, this is referring to Yeshua. Yeshua was in the beginning. Well, you were in the beginning also with God, but you were in the beginning in a, in a different way uh, because this wisdom literature is going to help us understand who is Yeshua. It's going to answer two questions. Who is Yeshua? What is his relationship with the Father? And it's also going to answer, who are you? Who am I? What is our relationship to Yeshua? And what is our relationship to the Father? It's going to answer those questions. It's wisdom literature. And it's going to take you deeper than the surface meaning of the Gospel of John. All right, let me give you another example here. Um, okay, in uh, John 1.14... The Word became flesh. Let's see, let me read it from the New American Standard Version. Um, okay. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt as tabernacle and tabernacled among us. Now you've got to get pictures in your mind from the Hebrew Scriptures because God tabernacles with man. And, and and the tabernacle became the temple and God's presence was in the Holy of Holies and, and we are in the process of coming into his presence, all right? And, um, and Yeshua is allowing us to draw closer into the presence of God. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Of course, it's a tabernacling among us through Yeshua. Um, and we beheld his glory, and that's referring to the Father, Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, that's referring to the Son, full of grace and truth, so that the glory of the Father is revealed through the Son. And we get, let's see, in some of the wisdom literature, this is um, uh, the uh, wisdom of, of Solomon. It's, it's not in the Hebrew scriptures, but it's, it's written at the same time where we can, it's, it's called Second Temple Literature, and, and we can see the, um, the nature of, of, of Hebrew thinking at, at the time of Yeshua. For uh, wisdom is the breath of the power of God. Well, breath is ruach, okay, and, and, and ruach is spirit, but it also means breath or wind. So it, it's, it's the breath, the wind, and that's the power of God and a pure influence flowing from the glory of the Almighty uh, therefore can no defiled thing fall into the word of God. So it's talking about the word of God being God-breathed, is what we read in the New Testament, and it contains the power of God. So in the Gospel of John, the word became flesh. So that power of God is, be is, is, is coming into reality through the Son and is making it possible for God to dwell among us. And when, when we see the Son, we see the glory of the Father. And because the glory of the Father is in the Son who came from the Father. They're distinct. They're too distinct um, and uh, full of grace and truth. And, um, and let's see. Uh, now what I want to do is, is just to, to, to give you the sense of wisdom. And now I'm going to take you into uh, two verses. And we're going to spend the rest of the time in two verses because we're going to take the whole concept of wisdom which is, is penetrating beyond simple knowing. And we're going to take, um, I think it's two verses here. Uh, let's see. Yes, it's two verses. We're going to read uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Okay, are you ready? This is going to be powerful, I promise. 
because it goes on. I mean, this is all part of this wisdom literature. As many, let's see, let me start in verse 11. He, Yeshua, came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. Well, he's coming to the Jews, and that doesn't mean that all the Jews did not receive him. Many believed in him, but as a corporate entity, the nation of Israel did not believe in him. But, now we've got a but, so it makes us stop up and think. As many as received him, all right, received is, is the Greek word which means um, not just to, to, to take it, you know, if, if somebody's giving you a present, they can put it in your hand, but it means that you, you open the present and use the present. So um, it, it's more than just taking it. It's taking it and, and, and putting it into use, into power. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And again, we have to look up the word for right. <clears throat> right is the Greek word exousia, which means power. But there are two Greek words for power, which I'm very pleased because in Hebrew, there are two and three words for everything. The Greek tends to be much more black and white. But in this case, with the concept of power, there are two Greek words. And one of them means the power that is given to you, but it's not in use. It's the word dunamis, and I remember it from dynamite because you have to explode the dynamite to give it the power. So the, the dunamis is power in you, but it's not activated yet. Exousia is the power that's activated. It's, it's the power that you've exploded in your life and you're walking in that power. That's the exousia, and that's the word that's used here. So to those who received Yeshua... The Father gave the right, the exousia, the, the, the power in action to become children of God to those who believe in his name. All right, so um, we've got um, now, I, I'm going to continue on here. This, this is wisdom literature, and it, you, you can't take it on the literal surface. You, can, you, you have to work it. You have to uh, ponder on it for weeks, months, years, and you have to go deeper and deeper and deeper in your understanding. It continues, those who believed in his name were born not of blood. All right, that, that is referring to the, the physical birth, all right, where there's, you know, there's fluids and so forth. Okay, nor of the will of the flesh. So that's referring again to the physical birth. Nor of the will of man. Now, what we've got here is we've got three parallel phrases. And they're in parallel so that we can try to understand it. Not born, born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. And, um, and, and that would take some, some real discussion, and I would encourage discussion here of what it means to be um, the will of the flesh, the will of man, but of God. So the birth is of God. Now, again, you have to stop, you know, and I, I always encourage people to ask questions. Whenever you're going deeper, you have to ask yourself questions. And if you're in a group, the group poses questions. And um, so the concept of birth is, is new life. 
That's the concept of birth. When you were born physically, you were born into a certain life, but it was a life of the world that's going to die. When you believe in Yeshua, you're born into a new life. Now, it's metaphorical. It's um, you can look at it literally if you choose to look at it literally, but if you look at it metaphorically, metaphorically is um, it, it, it's, it's symbolism that goes beyond symbolism. It, it's, um, uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's it's very, very artistic way of looking at something. Um, it's, it's a kind of a comparison, but it's a comparison that goes beyond the literal. So we're, we're born into a new life, and this new life is 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 our belief in Yeshua, but through this whole beginning of the Gospel of John, it's wisdom literature, it's going to lead us into two questions. Who is Yeshua? What is his relationship to the Father? And I, I'm not answering these questions. I'm simply pointing out that this is wisdom literature, and you need to go in it and work it. Who is Yeshua? What is his relationship to the Father? And who are you? You believe in Yeshua. What does that make you? It's a po- there are two powerful questions, and you can penetrate a deeper and deeper and deeper understanding in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. With that, I will bid you shalom.